2: the Nature and Countryside podcast from BBC Countryfile magazine. My name is Fergus Collins and I'm the host of the podcast. So this season of 12 episodes is devoted to the magic of water and in this, episode 4, I invite you into the genial company of naturalist, author and angler, Kevin Parr. Kevin takes us on a very short journey from his home in Dorset to a local lake where we spend the day with him discovering the enchantment and the frustration of fishing. Will Kevin catch his prized quarry, a big perch, before night falls? Or will he freeze in the January cold? Listen on for a gentle, joyful adventure. And a very surprising nocturnal guest right at the end. And later, I'm joined by the podcast team to reveal our listeners' sounds of the week and to delve into the podcast postback. For now, though, it's over to Kevin. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm just to the north of Egerton Hill, in West Dorset. And I'm looking west to where I can see uh, Lewsdon Hill, which is the highest point in Dorset. And just behind it, Pilsdon Penn, which is not far behind in terms of altitude. And they're sitting like islands. a great sea of mist it's still probably below freezing by a couple of degrees but wow, what a sight it's just stunning the sky's clear but there's this low line of sort of it's almost mauve cloud that's just sitting above the mist and giving a backdrop to the to the islands floating in it it's not a sea it's a great big lake which is appropriate because i'm on my way to another little lake where i'm going to hopefully catch a perch it's mid-january we're in lockdown but fishing's permitted as a form of exercise and as long as you stay very local, which I've done, all grey wagtails just, you may have heard it, it's come and almost landed at my feet. And I'd normally be fishing a river at this time of year. I, I love the rivers in winter. I think there's a quality that isn't there through the warmer months and there's a depth and a mystery and a power and an energy that can sort of pull you along with them and certainly wake you up. Ponds and lakes tend to just slip into torpor somewhat. Needing to stay local, to abide by the rules, I'm just a couple of valleys from home. i had a series of lakes that are spring-fed. You can probably hear a little inflow beside me. And uh, the water's actually pumped up through... Chalk aquifers—it's—it's it's a strange geology. The soil that's overturned in front of me is a sort of reddish clay, and yet the water is is basically chalk stream-fed. It's quite odd, but quite unique, and it's created these lovely pools. They're really quite stunning, and there's some good fish to be had as well. And today I'm I'm going to try and catch a perch. That's my Aim, and I should catch a small perch. There's lots and lots of little perch in these lakes, but there's one or two bigger ones. They're quite the stock's quite natural. And each pool has got its own character, its own its own ecology, which is fascinating. They're very different, even though they're dug next to one another. And um, there's about seven, I think couple with extensive weed growth, others that are slightly more shaded, that are slightly deeper and the water's clearer and less algal bloom. And in each pool you have fish in different stages of development and life and age. And the perch, they do quite well. They obviously breed well. There's abundance of small five, six-inch fish and each year class thins so that the ones that really interest me, which are sort of two pounds, there's not many. There's just a, a handful in each each lake, so they're quite hard to find. They're a predatory fish, eating fry, insects, invertebrate life, whatever they can find, really. They're not too fussy. They're stirred a lot by amino acids, I feel. And I've got worms and maggots that I'm going to use as bait and a worm might just sort out the bigger fish but we'll see I'm going to probably start off with with maggots and lighter tackle then perhaps I might expect to finish the day on just to see if I can get some bites and see what's happening and gauge it from there because as beautiful as the day is it's not very good for fishing and it's worsened slightly by the fact that having had a really decent cold snap for a couple of weeks um earlier this week the wind pulled round to the south and we've had sort of three or four days of incredibly mild damp weather which is great for fishing um, Water temperature goes up fish are cold-blooded they respond to that and uh will feed very heavily but last night we got the front of uh, an arctic blast that's come down well from north Scandinavia probably it's dumped a lot of snow on the northeast and it's sent the temperature tumbling again so it's a hard frost and uh, it would have knocked the temperature of the water down a bit and made it quite difficult but uh, we'll see we'll see how we get on I've crept down to the very bottom lake which is probably the biggest lake on the complex and being the furthest away from the car park, it's the least fished and that to me makes it probably the most interesting. I do have a bit of history here as well. I've, I've always fancied it for big perch and this year I finally caught a decent one from this pool but they're, they're few and far between. I'm getting my voice down, I've, I've crept round to where an order's creating a little bit of shelter on the near bank Perched, I mean they're ambush predators and the bigger fish which are often solitary will typically sit in places with a bit of uh, cover over their heads and just wait for a bit of food to pass it's only a about two and a half three foot deep and it's crystal clear so I've crept up on almost on all fours I've got my knees a bit damp and I'm gonna drop a bait in just alongside the trailing branches. I'm using a 12 foot whole cane rod with a split cane tip which is nice and sensitive and I'm fishing with a float. I just, I love float fishing, I love watching a float, I love the sight of a a red top on the surface. And then of course, the way it vanishes, if you get a bite. Perch bites can be fairly quick, they sort of switch on and off, So drop a big worm in, as I have done. And you're sometimes get a bite instantly. Just vanish. But equally, if they're not home, or not hungry, then you might not get a bite at all. Behind me is the stream into which the, these springs feed. And this is a tributary of the uh, River Froome. And it's called... It's, nowadays it's called the Hook, the River Hook, but traditionally it was known as the Toller, which links in with the names of the villages through which it flows. Tola Whelm, Tola Bakorum, Freitrum. The name was changed, apparently, I've been led to believe, by a person who bought Hook Court. There is a village called Hook through which also flows, and he thought they... Um, River should be named after his house, his land. Not sure on the truth of that, but I think Toller's probably a better name. And the Freem flows on down through Dorchester and then Woolwarem, well where it enters the sea at Pool Harbour. It's a really nice day the sun, it looked quite bright when it first came up but it's just built up a bit of cloud around it it's a lovely milky sun it's cold and quite still That another good reason to be down the bottom here is just to be out of the breeze which is north easterly and got a bite to it there's a fair bit going on there was a song thrush singing over by the car family of long tailed tits the wagtails are active there was uh, two dab chicks, little grebes on the top plate, getting their breakfast this isn't actually my first cast, I did just set up with a small hook and, and a maggot and just see what was happening, see if anything was feeding and lots was of course a quick succession of small rud and small perch which gave me a fair bit of hope for the day actually because The water temperature has obviously not plummeted too much. As it shouldn't really if it's aquifer fed. Just the air takes a bit more time to sink the temperature. But hopefully there's a chance of a good perch. But not on this cast by the looks of things. But what I'll do is... uh, creep around, drop a bait into some likely looking spots and just just hope that I drop it on a perch's nose I'd like a pound plus fish would be really nice just to put a bend in the rod two pound would be the icy on the cake it's uh, mid morning already probably even late morning it's so still, so soft, perfect winter's day, really clean air, crisp and cold, the sun sort of lifted above the cloud that was softening it, though it's still not really got any oomph behind it, hopeless for fishing, (laughs) that's my excuse at least, it's been slow, I've not had a bite I've various spots not a sniff of a proper perch yet so I've just I've changed I've come to a different pool there's a willow in one corner that reaches out and offers a good bit of cover and I'm hoping the perch might be underneath so I've just dropped my float in off the edge fishing with worm on on the hook still and I'm going to give this I'm going to eat my sandwiches probably I'm cold and hungry and I'm also kicking myself because I had a long argument with myself this morning. I woke up early, (laughs) pre-dawn, didn't want to get up at all and the thought of putting the cricket on the radio and just drifting back to sleep was so tempting. But i I push myself out and I've not been out really this week I've not, I'm not good in the winter and I, I suffer from seasonal affective disorder I've done since I was 11 so I need to sometimes push myself out the door and that's why fishing's so good because it keeps me out all day I find no excuse and it's often the way once you're out you're, you love it and the benefit afterwards is so obvious it's just motivation but that wasn't why I was angry this morning As such, or not cross I had a bowl of porridge and some coffee before I came And I decided that I wouldn't need to bring my tea-making equipment Kelly kettle, fuel and some tea And I didn't And I argued with myself far too long It would be busy hauling in fish Or far too active to need to stop and have a cup of tea And go, oh, what an idiot so I could absolutely murder a cup of tea right now. I've moved back to uh, the bottom lake where I started. I could only only find small fish elsewhere and a couple of other anglers have arrived which is tied up some of the other spots I'd hoped to try. And Percha being predatory are... Low light feeders they feed mainly by sight, so bright conditions are not much good for them at all. They'll just sit and wait, and then, as the light goes, they'll have a feeding a flurry sometimes only for a matter of minutes but it's it's odd how a spot that's felt been absolutely dead all day can sometimes just suddenly come alive as the light goes, and then just switch off again and it's Interesting to watch perch. I remember a day on the River Kennet with my friend Martin. He and I were just crossing a little footbridge over the river and as we crossed this footbridge we just looked down and there in the margins was this big perch, just tucked up against the reeds in about 15, 18 inches of water and Martin had his lure rod and he just dropped a lure in front of its nose and nothing happened. And uh, he said, that's OK, I'll try a different lure. And he was, you know, skulking around, being very careful, and realised that, having not scared initially, this fish just didn't seem bothered. And he was up on the bridge, and I joined him, and he was literally boshing this, this thing on the nose with the lure, and it just, nothing, nose didn't stare at all. And it was a good fish. It would have comfortably been Martin's biggest ever, so he was going to persevere. And he went off, changed his tackle, got a worm, put the worm in front of it, nothing. Went back, changed tactics again, different lure. And then finally after about an hour, just sort of nudging this little plastic lure in front of its nose, it just slowly opened its mouth and just gripped the end. And he lifted it up and this fish just came up slowly and then just let go and then just slipped back down again. And this game went on for another hour probably. I think Martin spent two hours trying to persuade this fish to do something. And finally he was back on a worm, and I'd come back up to watch again. (laughs) I'd have him better luck downstream. And then just out of nowhere, he just suddenly noticed that the the perch's pectoral fins were just sort of vibrating. There was just a little ripple going through them. A bit like fingers on a piano that are just... Spilling down the keys. And then it just seemed to bristle slightly. Dorsal just moved a touch. And then out of nowhere it just turned round, looked at Martin's bait and just went hump, engulfed it. And Martin was almost too surprised to strike, but he didn't. He lifted the rod, set the hook, and was attached to the biggest perch he'd ever hooked. And of course it pulled out into the main current. The hook pinged out, and it swam off, never to be seen again. And Martin probably hasn't smiled since. I just had a lovely view of a sparrowhawk which just dashed over my right shoulder. It can't have been much more than ten feet away. I heard it before I saw it and looked up and it just went low across the lake. And then as they do, they sort of follow the shape of the land almost... So they're magnetised to it. It's gone up and down, up and down, and into a dead tree, and I can't quite pick it out. And aside from leaving the Kelly kettle at home, I uh, left my binoculars in the car. This is a good spot for bird life. It's the kingfishers that are up and down most of the day. It's uh, excellent for hirondines and swifts in the summer. absolutely alive with them and willow warblers, bullfinch, white throat. But this time of year it can be good for raptors. I expect to see hobbies here in the summer, but I was fishing I've also it's an interesting thing. I where I've fished for so long I get used to staring at my float and then identifying birds over flying birds by their reflection. I don't want to take my eyes off the float unnecessarily and it 's odd how different birds look in reflection they 're not always quite so obvious, but you sort of you start to get used to the anomalies. But I was sitting actually in this pretty much exactly where i 'm sitting now on opening day, and it was about eight half eight in the morning. The temperature was rather different, and uh, by that time, the sun had already been up for three and a half hours, but I just saw in reflection a a very large bird coming over and my first thought, heron because the wing shape and then as your mind does in such situations it starts processing processing what you've, what you've seen in a split second and then realising it's not heron, that's a raptor and then working out what raptor it's going to be and, I, and my head came, well it's got to be a buzzard and it's got to be the reflection that's throwing you And, uh, and of course, this this all happens in half a second. And then I looked up expecting to see this buzzard and about no distance above me at all was an osprey. I swore out loud. I couldn't believe it. I just was absolutely stunned. It's not quite last chance saloon, but I had to... the, The swim on the bottom lake was just getting too dark. I couldn't see my float anymore, so I've... I still I've still got twenty twenty minutes, maybe even half an hour. I might be able to see my float up here though. I'm back um on the little lake by the car and I'm playing with fire. There's I've not fished this spot before. There's a pipe that I'm guessing it's an overflow pipe. Hugging the bottom. It's quite big, it's metal. And it's, it's a feature, it's somewhere where a perch might just skulk along the side of. The only problem being that I might hook the pipe. <laughs> um, a perch might take the bait and dive behind the pipe. Or what I fear is most likely is I end up hooking a carp. Because there's a good number of carp and I've seen one or two just bruising up and down this beside this pipe, so this isn't going to be straightforward, but I think it's got a perchy feel just because it's a little bit different and um, and if they're tucked up, if they're hunkered down in the cold water, then next to a pipe it just might be a fraction higher temperature. Or anyway first cast is out there not quite on the bottom so I'm going to make a couple of tweaks ok I've hooked a good fish the float just dipped a couple of times and then it shot away and it is a perch ok I need to take this really gently It's a pounder, I'm sure of that. I think it might be a bit more. It's not a bad fish at all. Oh, it's a good fish. Oh, it's a really good fish. Please don't come off. Please don't come off, Mr Perch. That's exactly... It's in the net. That's such a relief. It's not huge, it's not bad though. It's not bad. I'm going to, sorry, I keep dropping the microphone because I'm a little bit excited. It's just hooked. I'm using barbless hooks. It's just in the, in the lip. It's a cracking looking fish. It's beautiful olive green, which goes down through to yellow. Um, down down near the fins and then lovely orange red fins and a white stomach oh it is a two pounder it's over two it's two pounds three ounces and that is very very satisfying that's a lovely fish and I'm going to put it back Uh, let's see if we can hear it splashing splashing away I'm absolutely delighted with that just watching it now drifting off straight back to the pipe see it so well in the clear water and it's turned sideways and zipped under the pipe and back it goes well that's fantastic absolutely fantastic I'm I'm going to cast again, of course, straight away. I've still got the same worm on, that, fact. Um, <laughs> but perch don't often swim alone. And if... There might just be a little feeding spell here that I can capitalise on. Half an hour ago... Oh, a little bite straight away. A little bit earlier, I... I I've got another bite and it's another good one I don't believe this it's trying to get under the pipe again it's taking line oh it has managed to get under the pipe, can I get it I can just turn it (sighs) (laughs) Um, Well, this is amazing A similar size to the other one it could almost be the same fish there it is <laughs> and that maybe not quite as big in fact it's it's not as big it could scrape two pounds a massive mouth you could um, get a half pound fish down in there uh, quite easily just absolutely beautiful like that, that. It could scrape two pounds. I don't think it's quite. I'm not going to weigh that one. I'm going to pop them straight back. Because, of course, (laughs) I've still got the same worm. I might get another one. Isn't it funny? I've fished here for nearly ten years. I've never tried this spot. And yet, now I'm thinking about it. It's so obviously a good perch spot. I could have, I would have happily not caught anything today because it's just been such a beautiful day. I've got out of the house, I've got some sun on my face, I've seen things, I've felt things, I've smelt things and I realise that's all I need and fishing in a little bite, <laughs> oh my word. It is a cliché, but it is just an excuse for being somewhere like this on a cold January day. And the line, the fishing line connects me, it connects me to this world that I can't exist in. The world that I'm attached to is a world so full of mystery. And these perch, and you walk around these lakes and it just looks, they look empty, I didn't think there was any fish in here at all. I've just gone from elation to desperation. (laughs) Not that I should be complaining. I had a, I I had another sort of smaller half pounder, and then it's it gone quiet for a bit. I was just about to give up because I can barely see the float, and then the float just shot under, and I've. I thought for a minute it was a carp, because it was a heavy, big heavy fish, and then I could see it down in about six foot of water, that was a big perch I've just lost. I had it on for some time and I started fiddling with the phone to try and record the fight, and I should have just, oh I've got another bite, I should have just concentrated on getting it in the net. but. Um, Amazing how a day can turn. If I hook another one, I won't press record until I've hopefully got it safe in my landing net. Well, I'm back in the car and that's no bad thing because it's temperature's falling away again. But I think that's pretty much summed up what winter perch is all about. I've had a really lovely day. It's just really cold. I feel good for it, even though I'm chilly. And my fingers are rather numb. And then I was happily resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to catch anything of any size. Conditions weren't ideal. And then suddenly in half an hour, the day sort of turned on its head... In a spot I've never tried before. Two two two-pounders. And I I couldn't be... My adrenaline was pumping. I was so pleased. It was just such a relief and a positive feeling. And then um, losing that big one. (laughs) And having that knot in the stomach. It's such an incredibly numbing sensation to lose a good fish. But on the other side of the coin, I shall be coming back and... Trying to catch that one again at some point. But now it's off home. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope if if you don't fish (laughs) that maybe you can understand partly why some of us do. It's certainly not just about catching the fish. But um, I can add an extra something to a day. And I've got a pause on the way to say good evening to an eagle owl. Who always hellos me as I go past now?
3: Woo Woo, Woo!
2: Thank you to Kevin there for a wonderful day by the lake, showing us really the joys of fishing. I'm joined in the virtual podcast studio again by Jack and Hannah. Great podcast! I, I know you've both listened to, listened to it, um, but what should we start with? The ending? <laughs> I mean, that brilliant ending! Yeah,
3: adorable ending.
2: He hoots with eagle owls. I did ask Kev what on earth was going on there, and he said. It's not a wild eagle owl. It's a owl that lives in an aviary somewhere on his route home. Whether it's I don't know whether he, I think he must have stopped the car, get he gets out, and hoots at the owl, and the owl hoots back. And uh that's their little hoot hoot off that they have. <laughs> um which I thought was a lovely end. Um so what did you think of Kev's I as, as I know for sure that neither of you are anglers. What did you make of it? Tessa?
0: I thought it was great. I, re- I really enjoyed the episode. I mean, I've I've never been fishing. I've never attempted to. I've never been offered. I've not. I've just never done it. But I, I could thought... understand why people fished. It it always seemed quite a peaceful, relaxing activity, and it was quite interesting because I always thought it was relaxing because you were fishing. You were trying to catch the fish. But it does seem, especially from this podcast, it's also a chance just to listen to where you are and appreciate the surroundings, not just concentrating on getting the fish. Although I mean there was a bit of fury in the podcast of forgetting the kettle for the tea and I know. <laughs> yes, I felt,
2: I felt
3: so sorry for him.
2: <laughs> I know. It really did sound like he was um he was he was clearly upset it
3: was awful. Wasn't
0: he? <laughs> Yeah. And and the story of the fish that just couldn't be bothered to be caught. <laughs> <laughs> <know>. So nice. <laughs> And
2: then the story of the one that got away, which is in almost every angler's armory is mm-hmm. um, in, in the big, the big fish that got away. Uh, Hannah, what did you think? Would you, would you, are you tempted to, um, take up fishing, go fishing? Even look, at, <laughs> look at, look at a fish.
3: No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I, I famously, um, I'm not that interested in fish. Like I don't, I don't understand why people like fish. It's just something missing in me that Mm. just is not interested in cold-blooded animals, except for newts and slow worms. I was really soothed by this podcast. It's really something about Kevin's delivery that is so cosy and really draws you in. And although I'm not interested in fishing, you can see the appeal of sitting there and quietly observing the landscape um and there was a point where I was like oh I understand this now like I get it's fishing's not about fishing at all it's about being in the landscape but when he does actually catch something that's the moment his voice goes up and he starts getting really excited I know it is actually about fishing it's about fish he's happy now
2: it's about both, yeah. But that's a lovely thing to say. I think, yeah, you're right. It, and I think that's a great thing that he's managed to convey there in 30 minutes is the joys, the many faceted joys of, of sitting by a river. I like the way that he said the line and the rod connect him with a world that he doesn't, um, he's not familiar with or he, could, he can't explore. We humans struggle with unless we've got lots of equipment. I also think the star is the perch, now, I, I do like fish I, because I do I think they're really beautiful. I love their little, the, the, the scales and patterns and silvery—you know—that they, they shimmer in water. And they—I've they, always been fascinated by the sort of dens and denizens of um, watery places. So, I did a little bit of searching because I don't know an awful lot about perch. I know they're very pretty and um, sort of spiny. And, and my brother once caught one, which made me very jealous. But in this book here, I discovered to my great surprise this is freshwater fishes in britain this is from my library of my natural history library it's got an old book uh, and there's lots and lots of authors so i won't go through them all but it's published by harley books it talks a lot about perch all the sort of dr- kind of dry information about you know how long they live how big they grow and where they live but it says that during the second world war when food rations were at a premium small perch from winderbeer were canned for human consumption And marketed as perchines or perchines, perch are still regarded as good eating. Anglers today tend to return them alive to the water. I thought that was really interesting that there was actually a inland freshwater fishery for perch. Now, this is a really this is a a great charity shop find of mine. A guide to the freshwater fish of Britain, Ireland, and Europe by Roger Phillips and Martin Ricks. Now, Roger Phillips is quite famous for his foraging guides and tree guides. He's um, and this is quite an old book. And it has these lovely profiles of fish, and they're quite—they're written with a lot of personality. It's a really good book if you can ever find one. I think it's out of print now. As I fumble to find page seventy-four, and he says, because he's tried all these fish, and he says, "Cooking perch is, the, is this little bit? Perch are excellent to eat, and unjustly neglected in England. In Switzerland, where good specimens used to abound in most of the large lakes, eggly fillet." Or filet is a great speciality, as good as a fillet of sole. I found smaller specimens delicious when cooked in a small smoker. If very fresh, they need not be cleaned. There we go. Um And also, I don't if have either of you ever read Swallows and Amazons?
3: I think I might have done. I was tiny, but not for a long time.
2: Well, they catch perch and eat them quite a lot in in Windermere. So, or one of no, it's not Windermere. It's one of the other lakes, but. Uh, so that's a little potted history of eating perch. <laughs> Kev gave us the natural history of them swimming around, but um, I thought that was a nice little bit of extra info. So Hannah, you've got a few questions, I know, about Kevin's lovely experience.
3: Well, yeah, I was interested in how he was talking about how the river had changed its name from the Toller to the hook. And I was wondering how... Something like that happens, especially when the villages around it are named after the toller. How then does it become the hook?
2: I don't know the story, but I my in in my imaginings it would be probably some uh, a wealthy and influential local person.
3: So he says that, but he like what I'm interested in is how 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 would he by sheer will, make people call it something else? Like, how does a name that people have known for decades change?
2: That's a good point. The power of local sort of feudal authority in rural Britain. Should we talk about the postback? The podcast postback? We've we've had one or two things in. Um, Hannah, I believe you may have a treat in store for us.
3: I do. I have the Long Distance Listener of the Week. Pray. So This is <laughs> this is um, Dave Honor in Cape Town, in South Africa. And he's talking about listening to the Seven Boar podcast. And it reminds him of a chat that he had with a friend several years ago when training for guiding in the wilderness area of the Mfalozzi game reserve. And he goes on to say, we were sitting at the camp on the banks of the Umfalozi River which is most times just a trickle in the centre of a wide sandy beach. My friend mentioned being there a few years ago when all of a sudden the birds screeched and flew up from the banks. Other animals also scurried away, then all went quiet. Fifteen minutes later, a tidal wave came racing down the river, flooding the whole area. This had been caused by a massive storm several kilometres upstream, unheard by the humans, but alerting all the wildlife. No doubt the animals on the banks of the Severn have gotten used to the sounds of the uprushing flood water. And Dave finishes his message by saying when walking he often has in his mind how you Fergus would describe the sights around him.
2: Wow well, I would love to describe the sights around there. It's a slightly different wildlife backdrop to Monmouthshire to be in The wonders of cape town and some of these great game reserves my goodness that would be fun to expand the the podcast worldwide um that i thought that's such a lovely a lovely email beautifully read hannah thank you i liked how he 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 listened to the podcast but just sort of expanded on it that whole idea of can animals tell when something big and dramatic is going to happen like birds going quiet before thunderstorms on the seven it did go very very quiet just before the the boar came along. But beforehand, we were looking, you know, are the dogs going to start barking? Are the birds going to start flying backwards? You know, that sort of thing. Obviously, there was a sort of sense of anticipation amongst the wildlife around. So that was quite exciting.
0: So Jack, Sound of the Week, what have we got? We've got some Sounds of the Week in. And this week, we have got a sound from Jessica. And uh, her recording is from Somerset. So I guess we'll just take a listen.
3: one because of the horses' hooves. it's so sweet
0: I was gonna say I don't know whether it's just me and it's because I know it's cold outside but to, to me it sounds cold
3: mm, it's got a sense of coldness I think it's the um the robin
0: yeah I, I think it must be like the robin and just the qu- sort of the quietness of it just sounds very wintry and a bit chilly which I think's Quite an interesting thing to notice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I've,
2: I've also, I have got a sound of the week, which I, I hope you won't mind me inflicting on you. It's also cold. Have a listen to this. That metallic sound. It's sort of very satisfying. It's very thin, the ice. It's only had one night of it.
0: There you go, splosh cast, crunch cast. The thing that came to mind when I heard it was robot crisps. <laughs> the very sort of metally crunchiness to it. That it does have that. It's very interesting that it's a natural sound that it sounds unnatural in a way. So I was out recording because there's been
2: so much rain of late, although today is a beautiful, sunny, clear day which is why I got out to try and do some recording. But the rain had caused a lot of the little streams and the River Usk near, near to me here in Monmouthshire to burst their banks. And there's so much water in the valley, so I thought I'd try and get out. And then overnight, it was really cold, hence the clear clear skies this morning. And a lot of those flooded fields had frozen, creating these very thin, thin ice, almost... I mean, you, I'd have loved to have gone ice skating, but obviously I was in my wellies and it was only like a millimetre thick. <laughs> Well, that's about it for this week. We've had fishing, we've had ice, we've had news from Cape Town. Um, Thank you, both of you, for joining me again. It's lovely to have your company and your thoughts. And we'll see you again next week.